Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by Casey's own CBD American Shaman. Score yourself free samples of great all-natural CBD products at a CBD American Shaman near you. CBD American Shaman. Everything is better with the feather. Now your host, Nate Bucati. What's up, Sporting KC fans? I'm Allie Trost. That's Jacob Peterson. No Nate Bucati this week for this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer. Sports Radio 810, WHB, wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're watching us on video on the Sporting KC app or on the 810 YouTube channel, we're glad to have you here as we've got a big show ahead. So I'll just kind of lay out the menu for you before we jump into some Salt Lake recap talk. And also the exciting news around here, and that is the new arrivals in town officially. Willie Agata and Eric Tommy are in the buildings, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We will also get a chance to talk with Lisa Roman of CBS Sports. She is a co-host of the Attacking Third podcast and is an analyst for the NWSL. We'll talk to her about the U.S. Women's National Team's big CONCACAF W Championship win over Canada on Monday night, which secured them a spot in the 2024 Olympics. So we'll talk about all of the storylines surrounding the U.S. national team as they get ready to come to town. Labor Day weekend, September 3rd, to play at Children's Mercy Park in a friendly matchup against Nigeria. So a lot of storylines for you to watch as you get ready to come out and cheer them on at noon on September 3rd. Tickets go on sale on August 1st. So that is something to look forward to. And then to close out the show, we'll talk about a really busy week for Sporting Kansas City ahead. They just got done with one this past week, and now they get ready to take on first place LAFC in the Western Conference, travel to take on Sacramento in a U.S. Open Cup semifinal on the road. Going to be a really tough game for Sporting Kansas City there. And then Of course, Austin FC come to town the following weekend. They currently sit second in the Western Conference. So a lot ahead for sporting, and we'll talk about all of that. But first, Jacob, let's start with what happened over the weekend. Sporting Kansas City suffer an unfortunate loss, 3-0 to Real Salt Lake. But on the positive side, they finish a road swing with at least four points. Yeah, and I think that that's the – it's easy to walk away from – the Salt Lake game and think, oh, you know, Sporting didn't play well, you know, losing 3-0, getting a red card, um, giving up just a ton of chances uh, overall in that game. But if you step back and look at the entire week where three road games in one week, it doesn't happen really in, in MLS. It, it's it's very, very rare. And I, I can't think off the top of my head any time where I, as a player, uh, was in a situation like that unless you're starting a you know your your season where you have so many road games on to start the season before you can go home and play but whatever it it was a good week I think overall for sporting to to come away going to Montreal getting a huge win there where let's be honest they didn't really play that well in Montreal 
but they found a way to win. And that's what you need to do in MLS, especially on the road, is you don't need to have outplay the home team. You just have to make life difficult for them. And Sporting made life difficult for Montreal in the majority of that game and then came away with a huge win. And then going to Minnesota, maybe their best game of the year. Just the, the, the overall play was excellent. Ball movement was really good. Uh, relationships, it looked like they were starting to form. Even John East and Daniel Shallot, we were combining well. And there were just a lot of positives. And I thought they deserved three points in that game. But, hey, one point on the road, that's okay. Um, so you got to say all in, four points from three games, that, that's acceptable. That That is a good road week in, in in this league. So yes, it's it's easy to take away that that last game and you know have kind of that sour taste in your mouth, but if you step back, the sporting team is playing better soccer and getting better results and you know it's going to be still going to be hard with with where sporting are in the standings, but with all these home games and, and with just the kind of the the way that this team it looks like it is kind of turned a corner. Uh hopefully this that setback in Salt Lake won't won't set the team too back, but uh, I, I would say it's a positive week overall. So the team turns a corner, comes out of a, a difficult week with points, like you said, a, a big positive as they now get ready for eight of their next 11 games at home. But as I mentioned earlier, it's not going to, to start very, very easily for Sporting Kansas City. They take on LAFC and Austin FC coming up and then, of course, travel to Sacramento for a U.S. Open Cup semifinal match sandwiched in between. How does Sporting approach this week and also – kind of get some of these new guys, Eric Tommy, Willie Agata, indoctrinated, as Peter Vermees likes to say, or, or up to speed quickly enough to maybe see an impact from those guys uh, sooner rather than later. Well, you saw both of them at, at their press conference today. They're, they're good guys, and, and they're positive guys. And, and um, you know, Eric Tommy, especially playing in Germany, but he speaks English so well. Um, which helps when you come to, to a new country, um, a new situation. Um, he just got in, right? So he's, it's, he's a little bit uh, behind where, where William Agata is. But even watching Agata out at training today, and I know it's one training session and it, it's hot, and, and, you know, half the, the starting group was doing regen, so, you know, they weren't involved in, in the small-sided game. But he, he just plays – it's fun to watch him play. It's it's fun, just his movement out there. It's dynamic, and yes, he's excited. I know everybody else is. It's just a normal week for for everybody else, but for him, new team, uh, he's buzzing around out there, and it, he's got a smile on his face, and that's just cool to see from the side. Um, just that kind of new life into the team, and, I, and I'm sure we'll see some of the same from from Eric Tommy. But you know, scouting both these guys, which you know, I I. I done a lot of scouting on both these guys before they came they're both excellent athletes and, and I think that's something in this league that you have to have you I mean got LAFC we could talk about all their big name signings and all that but they have athletes on that team to cover the ground to deal with just the amount of running and athleticism that you need to have to be successful in MLS and both these guys uh, have a lot of that and, and are dynamic to one-on-one -on -one situations can take guys on. Um, not afraid of the moment. Um, both these guys have played in, in big-time games. Got in, in, 
you know, playoff games in, in Israel where he, he scored a bunch of goals, was on a great run of form there in, in some of the most high-pressured situations too, which is great to see. Um, and Eric Tommy, I mean, playing in the Bundesliga, he, he doesn't get much much more high-pressure uh, situations than that. So I, I'm excited for both these guys to get in. It'll take a little while, there's no doubt, um, especially for a guy, I think, because he's younger, um, new country, you know, it's I asked him you know what what time was he on and he was like yeah I'm waking up at 2 a.m. every night you know just because it's hard to get in the swing of things but I think it might take him a little while to to get just up to tactics and everything where Eric Tommy experienced pro played for big clubs Um, I think he's going to be able to to adapt to some of the tactical demands um, pretty quickly but there's always that transition phase we we know that it's I mean, I use Remy, right, yeah. as our example. If it took him six months uh, and he had a full preseason with the team to really then turn into the, the Remy Voltaire that we're seeing this season especially. So, But I'm excited. Uh, I think the team kind of needs that too. Um, but just two dynamic guys who are fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned, Eric Tommy has a ton of experience. Willie got a bit younger, but such great energy. I mean, you see him and his energy is infectious. It's palpable both on the field and off the field as well. And I'm curious, I know with Willie Agata, he's more of a natural number nine, your your center forward type. Probably not going to see him playing out of that position ever. But Eric Tommy can play both on the left wing and inside as that that left central midfielder. Um, I'm curious, just based on their traits that you've seen, how you envision them kind of fitting in and and complementing some of the players that we've seen be a, you know, that we know are a consistent part of this current sporting lineup with Daniel Shallowy out on the left wing, typically Johnny Russell out on the right, and, and then the rest of the midfield, which has had some turnover in, from game to game. I think one of the uh, the best aspects to a player when you, when, you, when you are looking at a player, scouting a player, and I've said this with, with Cam Duke's development a little bit, is playing multiple spots and being able to play those spots at a proficient level. And where it's not, you know, you throw somebody in a different spot and it's like you throw them in the deep end of the pool when they can't swim and they don't know what they're doing, you know. Eric Tommy can play at a high level in a bunch of different spots, whether that's, you know, where he traditionally has played as a left winger, he's played a right wing, um, Stuttgart plays three in the back with two wing backs, he's played as a right wing back as well, he's played inside there as a number 10 or a number eight position too. So he can play in a bunch of different spots, which is something that you want. You want to bring those type of guys. Remy Voltaire, another guy who, I mean, he's played in, played on the wing this year, played as a 10, as an eight, and as a six, and he's done a really good job in, in all those places. So you want to bring in guys like that who who can adapt their game and who can, because it might be, uh, a situation where, hey, we got a couple injuries, you got to go and, and play out here. And, and he, he, I have no doubt that he'll be able to do that. Um, I think, obviously, when you have Daniel on the left um, and Johnny on the right, I think Eric Tommy's going to be operating in that middle area um, as more of a 10 or an 8 um, type like that. But he's so dynamic to driving. And, and I've said the dynamic how many times on this show but that that's how I would describe his game is completes a lot of dribbles uh, is willing to take guys on and similar to what Gotti Kinda was for, for Sporting Kansas City 
uh, in years previous where he's able to make those penetrating runs on the ball, have his head up, able to make the pass, but also able to, to take it himself. And, and I think that's what you'll kind of see more um, for Eric Tommy. I mean, hopefully he hits the ground running and it's right away. But again, it might take a little bit of time. Um, but I think the, the, the best part about his game is that he can play in, in a bunch of different spots at a very high level. And as we saw today out at training, this is a Tuesday that we're taping this. Willie Agata uh, already getting really involved, scoring some fun goals in some of their small-sided games. So really excited to see what he brings. And you could, again, sense that energy uh, and his excitement to be here. And both guys had a chance to speak with the media as well in their, in their introductory press conferences. So we'll hear a little bit from each of those guys as they talk to the media today on Tuesday upon their arrival here to Kansas City. We, we keep them busy around here. Hey, get to town, do your physical. Oh, by the way, here's training, tour. Uh, now you got to talk to everybody. No sleep. No sleep. No sleep. Just go, go, go. But fortunately, no midweek game this week. But without further ado, here is Eric, Tommy, and Willie Gata in their introductory press conferences. Just curious for you. I mean, you, you mentioned this is a big decision for you at your age. And your, was your, your wife in the mix on this? And how... How did she feel comfortable with making this move as well? Yeah, it's a big step because it's not about football. All, all, it's nothing, no, it's not all about football. So it's about the, the country here, the, the language, the mentality, everything. And uh, that makes it a little bit harder for us. The decision makes it harder. But my wife is, is um, every every time with me. She accepts my... my, uh, my <laughs> English word. Uh, my decision, my decision, and um, for her it's also also a big step. Knew that she can learn the, ang uh, the language, and for the future, it's uh, it's it's very good for us. Mentioned with people about the facilities and stuff. What has been your impression of uh, the facilities and the stadium to uh, as you arrived? Everything is really big, um, bigger than Germany. Um, the facilities are great here. The stadium are, is great. Um, I saw some games. The fans are great. What I saw, and I'm looking forward to play soon there. Um, that's why it's everything is good until now, and now we have to make it on the pitch. Eric, tell me a little bit more about you. How did you get into soccer, and what are some of your some of your career goals here now in MLS and in Kansas City? My career goals in the past, or uh, or here, here, yeah. here. Okay. Uh, of course, um, this season to 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 make good games at the end, and of course there's uh, a chance to. I think the the first uh, target for us must be the, the the must be the playoffs next season. Of course, this season we have a chance, a small chance. We will try it. We will give our best. But next season we will uh, we'll try it again, and. Why not? We we are playing uh, football. We are we want to win, and uh, we want to win titles also. Maybe not now, not next next season, but that's uh, a big target for me. And that's why I'm here. And how did you get into playing football? How old were you? And I started to play football since I'm four years old um, in in my small small village. Then moved to some clubs in Germany. Uh, played since I'm 18 professional football for I think six six clubs there and uh, there I can take a lot of experience and that's my next experience here uh, out of Germany in a, in a new country and um, yeah I feel good I love I love I love to take challenges and that's why I'm here just uh, you mentioned the playoffs 
Germany doesn't have the playoff system, right? It's Bayern Munich yes. top every every single year. Just what what is the, some of the exciting differences um, that that might bring in, in how the competition is kind of ultimately decided? So in Germany, it's very difficult to win uh, trophies when Bayern Munich is in the league and Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> we have to be honest because they're very strong, uh, have a, a lot of money and good players. And um, here, if we have the playoffs, we have still the chance. If you um, didn't play a really good season, you have still the chance to win trophies. And that's great. That's great for everybody. Um, and that's why I think it's also um, a good system for us. Comments for your search questions. <laughs> okay, let's get it to it. Let's do the questions. Okay, first, we'll go to Daniel Ferrer with the Kansas City Star. Hey, Willie, uh, welcome. Just what is the whirlwind from getting here uh, on what Friday, Saturday, and going with the team and then coming back and finally getting here? What has the last few days been like for you? Uh, actually, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been great, you know, good feeling and it's a lot of, you know, long way, you know, about 25 hours flight. But it's a great feeling, you know. I meet a lot of people, you know, trying to show me love, you know, good people. But it's a good feeling and great feeling. I'm happy I'm in the game. And although we lost, but we're looking forward, you know, for win. You know. what what's been your impression as you got into this building? And how has it kind of exceeded maybe expectations you had? Uh, actually, I was really overwhelmed because I think you have a very nice complex here, and it gives me a good feeling, you know, I'm in the right place, you know. I am very sure when I get here, I have that feeling that, oh, yo, you're in the right place, and just get into work, and I'm very excited to be here. Saw you out in training today with the team. Uh, how was it, just in your, I think, first or second training? <laughs> well, it's been great, you know, good feeling, you know. I was looking forward, you know, to see my teammate for a long time. I've been training with the, with Joe. Uh, he's been helping me even since before I get here. But this is a great feeling, you know, and, you know, when you get into the team, you feel them. Although, you know, it was still, I have like a jack leg still, but I'm really excited, you know, to train with my teammate today. When you moved at 18 from Nigeria to Israel, how did that move help prepare you for now making this move to the U.S.? Oh, uh, actually, at that time, I was very young. And, you know, when a young boy, you know, is traveling, leaving his parents and family and stuff, for the first two weeks, I was like, nah, I got to go back home. But thank God, you know, that makes me become strong, you know, that what I'm feeling right now, I'm not, before I was like, no, you need to go back on when I was going to either. But now I feel like, yeah, this is the time where you need to show more of to the world, like what you got. And this is like a great opportunity for you to become who you really want to become in life and to improve your professionality, like the football life you're living. So you have a lot of good stuff here to improve you. So, so it motivates me, you know, I feel really great, good feeling. Not like before, like this boy that is living home going to Israel. You talk about that improvement. What is one part of your game you're really looking to improve here in Kansas City and in MLS? Oh, uh, I think uh, uh, I know Peter will improve me. You know, in terms of you know uh, ability of scoring. You know, in the front of the goal, I watch a couple of the games and I see like there is something you need to you need to push yourself. You know, and I feel like he is in the right place. You know, to push me to that and. I'm hopefully looking forward to that.
you yeah. talk about your dad and calling your parents when you made that move at yeah. 18 and, hey, I think I want to come home. Yeah. What was your conversation like with your dad and with your family for this move here to, to USA? Uh, to be honest, they're really excited for me. And they were like kind of teasing me, like, oh, maybe you want to come back home? I was like, nah. They said, did you remember what you said to us before? I was like, nah, now I'm a big boy. I'm trying to, you know. And they're all excited about it. And we just make fun of it, and we go through it. I'm really excited to be here. And they're also excited for me, too. Just uh, from what games you've watched of sporting, where, how do you see your playing abilities fitting with what uh, Peter wants the team to do? Uh, actually, uh, I know he, this team, they're looking forward to young boys who are like really hardworking. It's all about, you know, being mentally, you know, set for the game. It's not about quality on other things, you know, just about, it's all about here, you know, mentally. And I feel like, you know, getting mentally and ready for every game, it will help me, you know. It's not about quality or anything, it's just about getting it into your head that you just need to do it, you know, that's it. Believing in each other, you know, keep working hard, and that's it, I think. Really, who do you play for? Who's your, what, you step on the field, who or what are you thinking about that inspires you and pushes you to do all of those things? Um, actually, family, my dad, and he always pushed me. He always tell me, come on, boy, you can do it. And I remember when he used to, take me to field, you know, drop me and just leave me. I'll be like looking at him like this, like, yo, you're leaving me here. So thinking about that, you know, he's someone that I cannot just let what he's doing for me, buying me sports shoes, you know, when you're young, you know, it's not easy in Africa for your dad to just take you to the field, you know, and then try to help you to push you into what you like doing. But I think I'm looking forward, you know, in making him proud, you know, keep pushing and that's it. What is your dad's name? My dad's name is Pius. Can you spell that? Like P-I-U-S. P-I-U-S. Yeah. Agata. Yeah, Pius Agata. Yeah. Did he play soccer too? Yeah, a little bit. Local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a good player before. But I don't know. I'm better than him though. <laughs> <laughs> Forward as well? No, he actually he plays center back before when he used to play in the local league. So, but, you know, and he's still training with the old timers right now at home. So. It's great, you know, it's a good feeling, you know. When I, whenever I go back home, train a little bit with them, and it's fun whenever I press him, you know, and everybody will be laughing there back home, but it's fun, you know, to play with your dad, and he's a good guy. All right, so there is Willie Agata and Eric Tommy talking with the media. Just really impressed by both players. I mean, I think for Willie Agata, just hearing his journey up to this point, getting uh, this opportunity in MLS, you could sense just his, his excitement, hearing him talk about it, hearing him talk about maybe some of those tough days early in his career when he made that big initial move at 18 years old, um, first time leaving home, and, and how difficult that was for him, just how he's matured since then. Um, just a, a really good kid and really excited to, uh, to see how he can um, you know, translate some of what he's, he's learned and developed here in MLS. And, and you know, hopefully, as, as a lot of players find out really quickly, the physical uh, just battles that they have to be ready for each and every game. Uh, really excited to see how he does that and and, he was, and he was throwing his body around know, out there today, I... which uh, I like. Uh, I really like to see that. But it, and I didn't mention this, but I know I mentioned it before, and we've talked about it. Is both these guys want to be here? They mm -hmm. want to be here, and you can you can feel that, and that means so much when you go to a club where you feel valued, where 
they say, hey, we've been scouting you, we've been tracking you, like you fit our profile yeah. of player. A- any player, yeah, it- it's different than getting traded where it's like, hey, one team, you know, within MLS where one team's like, hey, we don't want you anymore. But then when you get to that next team, they're like, hey, we've been trying to trade for you for a while. It- there's just that, you, you get you get confidence yeah. by that. So it- it's good to see that both these guys are happy to be here. They're excited. Um, I-, I really a- am optimistic about their futures with the club. Yeah, and, and another thing that Eric Tommy said that you just heard, I asked him, you know, when's a time that you've been in this position before with a club that, that's kind of struggling a bit? And he's like, a lot of times in my career. Um, and, you know, just hearing him talk about his goal of coming in and helping the team take that small chance that they still do have to, to make a push for a playoff spot. And then also talking about how, you know, the goal is, is beyond just this season, but to make sure that the team comes into next season being in a better position to where they don't have the start that Sporting's had this season. So just kind of hearing him talk about um, how much he wants to be a part of helping the club kind of turn things around and bring some of that leadership. At, you know, 27 years old, he's, he even said just how much of a, of a kind of difficult decision, but ultimately it came down to just a good feeling that he had about what, Sporting Kansas City had to offer, what MLS had to offer, and how he could kind of really grow and develop his game at this point in his career here with Sporting Kansas City. And, and he's so. just entering his prime, yeah. right? Really, like truly, he, he's just entering his, his prime. And it, it's that time where your physical skills are, are still there, where you still are able to do everything that you want to do. But now you're thinking about, okay, I know I have to be here. And you're able to get there. It's when you're getting your late 30s where mid 30s where you know where to be you just mm-hmm. can't get there yet he's nowhere near that so he's still in that prime area um and, and you mentioned his oh he talked about it but being in those relegation battles and those pressure situations again it, it's it's a different type of of intensity in all those games when they're going down to the wire and, and so i have no doubt that in, in our current struggles right now with sporting that he's going to be up for those challenges and just comes across as very focused and is going to bring a high level of concentration to the locker room as well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back i'm joined by lisa roman of cbs sports to talk about the u.s women's national team win over canada in the Concacaf w championship they have now qualified for the 2023 world cup and the 2024 olympics with that win last night goal by alex morgan who else? Exciting one, nothing win. So we'll talk about that and some of the storylines to look forward to as Kansas City will get set to host a U.S. Women's National Team friendly match against Nigeria on September 3rd. All of that coming your way next here on the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB brought to you by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City show on Sports Radio 810 WHB presented by McLoeb Ultra. I'm Allie Trost-Martin, thrilled to be joined now by someone who has been my internet friend for a long time. So this is our first time um, getting to like actually talk and hear each other's voices. Lisa Roman, she is with CBS Sports. She's a co-host of the Attacking Third podcast and also an analyst for the NWSL. Does a lot of great work covering all things women's soccer, U.S. women's national team, and the NWSL. Lisa, how are you? 
I am so good. Allie Trost Martin. It's the triple name, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. She's here for it. Um, it is so nice to like officially chit chat with you about this on a little bit more of a, a legitimate platform than just like Twitter DMs and mentions and yes. everything. But uh, this is so great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you took the time to get up a little bit early, add this to, I'm sure, a very long checklist of work duties following the U.S. Women's National Team win over Canada in the CONCACAF W Championship. And full disclosure, we are taping this segment on the day after the match, which is Tuesday. I had to think about that for a second. Um, this, of course, is airing on Wednesday night. So we are both uh, a little bit tired. Game kicked <laughs> off at 9 p.m. Central time for us here in the Midwest. Um, but yes. concluded with a big 1-0 win for the U.S. Women's National Team. A penalty by none other than Alex Morgan gave the U.S. what they needed to get the win and punch their ticket to the 2024 Olympics in Paris with that. So Lisa, just to start, um, what is your overall reaction from the game? And of course, what that means for the U.S. now, not just qualifying for the 2023 World Cup, but with the Olympics as well. It's huge, right? Not only the World Cup, but the Olympics. That's a huge factor for this team as they look ahead to the World Cup in 2023 because um, they've already qualified. So now for Black Wendonofsky, it's it's a sense of let's get this roster right. Let's get the personnel right. Um, but throughout the CONCACAF W Championship and the competition that the United States faced in Haiti, Jamaica, um, Costa Rica, and then Canada in the final, it was good competition. Competition, different competition in CONCACAF than perhaps we're seeing in Copa America right now in the Euros, but it's competition nonetheless that the United States needed to face and having so many young players on this roster with um, limited caps under 20 caps coming into this. You look at someone like a Sophia Smith, 21 years old, Ashley Sanchez, 23 years old, Alana Cook, 25 years old. Um, these players needed this qualifying experience and, and that's what they got. Maybe at someone on the outside looking in um, the United States winning one nil over Mexico, one nil over Canada. Those aren't incredibly convincing wins on, on the score sheet. If you're used to watching the United States beat teams, seven, nothing, eight, nothing. However, these were learning moments and this was a steep incline for some of these younger players to battle in a, a different country playing on away soil um, in incredibly hot and humid conditions in Mexico. Um, and they battled out, right? There, there's a checklist for Black Wendonofsky in the U.S. heading into this. Can they win their group? Can they qualify for the World Cup? Can they win the tournament? Can they qualify for the Olympics? And boom, 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 boom. They checked all of those off and they got clean sheets along the way. I, I think it's promising to look at the future of this squad after this tournament. As you said, Lisa, a lot of people who have you know, kept tabs on the U.S. women's national team might expect them to have some of these big blowout victories. And that hasn't been the case throughout this tournament. But as you mentioned, that experience uh, wasn't necessarily there. But the positive is that you get a lot of young players getting some very valuable minutes and maybe making Vladko Inanovsky's job a little bit harder as he's looking to put uh, this roster together. But you know, looking at the game last night, it very well could have been a blowout situation because that first half, especially the U.S. had chance after chance after chance. While it was very good for these players to get that experience, 
You also have to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. What maybe worried you or, or did it worry you at all to see the U S struggle so much to, to not, you know, not have the buildup, the buildup was there. The buildup was great. They were getting in some really dangerous spots, but they just couldn't seem to find the back of the net. That was the name of the game, Allie, for sure. They had all these chances. They were creating opportunities, finding the open pockets that Canada was leaving for them. Uh, but at, at the end of it all, the final product, the final shot on goal, it wasn't clinical enough. And, and this is also right. We're coming at this from a very high standard of what we're expecting from these players. But if the United States wants to be the best team in the world, we have to keep that bar high. We have to set that standard and force these players to live up to it. So yes, the shot, shot, shot selection, excuse me. Um, there, there wasn't enough clinical finishes that we saw throughout this game. We saw really close finishes from Sophia Smith that had a number of opportunities. Mallory Pugh had an opportunity. Alex Morgan, even as, as one of the veterans on this roster had an opportunity that she ended up missing. It went wide and we do have to give credit to Canadian goalkeeper, Kaylin Sheridan. She had a tremendous game, but it, one of the things that didn't worry me about watching all of these shots go wide is that the chances were being created. So that's one aspect of it. Um, they could have not had any shots, not had any chances. And these players that were missing them, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, their heads weren't falling after they missed this shot. It was almost as if um, something clicked in them, uh, igniting more of a fire, um, making them more determined to get on the board again, which as a young player who's earning their 20th cap or so, uh, Sophia Smith earning her 21st cap in this match last night, that's incredible to see that she's not getting down on herself, but it's it's more like, let's get the next shot. Let's get the next goal. And that's promising moving forward for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I bet both Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh are going to be watching back that film and um, probably There's having a, lot a hard to learn. time. <laughs> a lot to learn because some of those um, missed opportunities were, uh, I, I was reacting uh, very loudly on my couch watching that game. So uh, I can only imagine them watching those back. But again, opportunities yeah. to learn and get better. Now, something else, Lisa, as we look ahead with this U.S. Women's National Team is that the young players get minutes because some veterans and experienced players have been out and away, uh, whether due to injury, pregnancy, what have you. I know here in Kansas City, a lot of fans are in, uh, anxiously waiting for the return of Sam Mewis uh, for the Kansas City Current we here in the NWSL are. side. We, we all, all are, are waiting for them to come back. It's only a matter yes. of time. <laughs> so how do you envision um, – their their roles on the team are they still locked into their spots on this roster or did any young players stand out to you that might create some competition here this is the beauty of the United States women's national team. It's it's champagne problems, frankly, is what <laughs> Black Wanonofsky and, and the fan base is dealing with. Because as you mentioned, there are players like Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams that were on the Tokyo team and that went to the Olympics with the U.S. last year. And they probably would have been on this roster. Um, someone like Katerina Macario, who plays for Lyon in Europe, who's out with an ACL, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn. These are incredibly talented athletes that barring any injuries that they faced heading into this tournament. And over the last several months, they would have been on this roster. And the fact that black, white had to call in so many 
younger, less experienced players. We saw Taylor Korniak get come into this tournament with just two caps under her belt. She got her third, fourth, and fifth cap throughout this tournament. That is incredible to think about. And and she was playing in a role that Sam Lewis would play in. So you Mm -hmm. almost have to think if these players come back from injury or their maternity leave, they want another spot on this roster. And that makes the competition that much more intense, which makes the team that much better because you're not just fighting against someone that's already on the roster, but other people that are coming in. And frankly, this, this allows for a really good transition for black Lenanovsky to continue uh, phasing out some of these veterans that are looking to retire and end their careers and continue bringing in players that have experience. I mean, you look at someone like a Sam U.S. she's been on this roster. She's been to the world cup. She understands what it's like to play in high intensity situations. Uh, But there are some players it's going to be hard to remove them from their spots. Emily Fox, the outside back, she has come in and been tremendous in that left outside back role. However, when Crystal Dunn comes back, that's where she was playing. Um, do Does Flacco-Anonofsky move Dunn higher up the field, create a little bit more depth in the midfield? I think that's a battle that is going to be fantastic to watch, and hopefully we'll see some of it in September when these, these friendlies come about for the U.S. And, of course, for everybody listening to the show that's here in Kansas City, one of those matches will be played here in Kansas City Labor Day weekend. That match will be on September 3rd against Nigeria at Children's Mercy Park. I believe it's a noon kickoff, so it'll be an early game. Uh, Hopefully not as hot as it is here right now, so be sure to get your tickets. Those go on sale on August 1st to come see some of that positional competition in real time because it is going to be very intense. Um, Lisa Roman with CBS Sports covering all things NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team is our guest. Um, Just kind of some big picture, maybe early predictions from you, Lisa. Who is a a young player that you think is going to play one of the biggest roles here in this 2023 World Cup and now 2024 Olympics? We saw glimpses of so many young players throughout this most recent tournament for the U.S. I mean, you can take nods at Sophia Smith, Mallory Pugh, who's, yes, young in terms of her age, but she's already been to a World Cup. So she's got the experience at 24 years old. I am most excited to watch the growth of midfielder Ashley Sanchez. She is tremendous um, on the ball in the midfield. She plays club for Washington spirit and, and her vision, her technical ability, um, the way that she can combine with anyone really that she's playing in around in the midfield or combining with the forwards up top. She can get into those little pockets of spaces between the scenes, get shots on goal. Ashley Sanchez is, is the true future, especially of this midfield for the United States women's national team. She can continue to get more reps under her belt, continue to get more opportunities and develop her game to not just be lethal with the ball and on the pitch, but morph into a bit of a leader. And she's got incredible midfielders to learn from Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Sam Lewis, when she's Back, but at just 23 years old and only 13 caps heading out of this CONCACAF W championship, Ashley Sanchez is the future of this United States women's national team, their backbone in their midfield for sure. And Lisa, as you mentioned, some of these veterans that we've been used to seeing now for a decade plus, uh, staples of this U.S. women's national team, their careers might be on the tail end now. Um, yeah. So for fans listening, Who's someone that they've got to get out and see before they hang up the boots? 
I, I think it's got to be Becky Sauerbrunn. It's someone with over 200 caps. She's the center back, the captain for this squad that has done so much, sacrificed so much um, in teaching the other young center backs, whether it's Tierna Davidson, Alana Cook, Naomi Gurma. She's done so much and, and she hasn't scored yet for the United States women's national team. This is something that if, if you're indebted into this fan base, you know, it's get Becky a goal. So you've got to get out to see her in Kansas city come Labor Day weekend when they, the U S plays Nigeria, because if this is the end of her career and, and maybe she'll opt to not go to the world cup in 2023, black Lenanovsky has, has got to get Becky Sauerbrunn a goal. She's she's one of them for sure. I mean, Megan Rapino is also fantastic to watch, but Alex Morgan, I think she'll be around for a little bit longer. So get out to a game, cheer on Becky Sauerbrunn, the center back for the U.S., and, and let's get Becky a goal. <laughs> yes, come on, Blacko, put her at the nine. Don't be afraid. Put her um, at the hey. nine, send her into the box on corner kick. There's so many options, and she wants it too. She scored for club. She, she can do it. It's just giving her the opportunities. We'll get it. <laughs> well, and fans here in Kansas city are, are no stranger to Becky Sauerbrunn. She's uh, of course the staple here uh, with her time playing in the NWSL early in her, uh, you know, early in, in the league's existence, wow. um, not in her career necessarily, but Lisa, thank you so much for the time. Where can people find your work? I know the attacking third has been doing so many great things. Uh, the show's going all over the country. Now you guys have plans to, to do a lot more this season. So where can fans uh, listening now find, find you? Yes, we are Attacking Third Podcast with CBS Sports. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as well. We post really cool highlights at Attacking Third. Um, and we go live a lot. We do pregame uh, previews of matches, postgame analysis, exclusive interviews, youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And I'm on Twitter too, LRoman32. Follow me because we've got a lot of great soccer news coming and it's nonstop. This, this is the summer of soccer and it is it keeps going. It keeps going. We've got you all covered. <laughs> it certainly is so much excitement with, of course, the men's world cup kicking off this year, women's next year, the world cup coming to Kansas city in 2026. Yes. Uh, so now's the time to be dialed into all things uh, national and international soccer. But Lisa, thank you so much for the time and we'll catch up again soon, my friend. We will. Thanks so much for having me, Allie. All right, there is Lisa Roman. We will take a quick break and be back after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to Sports Radio 810 WHB. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up here on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by McLoeb Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And there is a lot of soccer to be enjoyed for Sporting KC fans over the next week as LAFC comes to town and then they hit the road on Tuesday to take on Sacramento on Wednesday in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. Jacob, a tough week ahead. It's going to be a hot week as well, especially here in Kansas City. I mean, LAFC, top in the Western Conference, one of, if not the best team in the league. I think best team in the league by a lot of people's standards. And it's really not just because of the names that may draw the, the most attention or, or make the headlines. It's because of just the depth of this team. They have so many dangerous players um, what kind of challenge is this for sporting going in to, uh, to the game on Saturday? It's their biggest challenge of the year. I think just in, I think it's the most important week of the year too. Um, just with that open cup game in the middle of the week. 
I mean, you're playing against the two best teams in the league, or statistically the, the two top teams in the league this week in L.A. and then Austin, and then sandwiched in between that is sporting's biggest game of the year up to this this point. So it's a tough one. It really is because LAFC, most points, most wins, most goals, or second most goals, most or best goal differential in the t- in the league, and you mentioned it, but they've got 20 guys who who are starters in this league. Legitimately, you go through their their roster and 20 guys who would be starters in this league, which is absolutely incredible what they've done and building their roster. And it's not just with the splashy you know signings; it's making trades and free agent signings and really. Ryan Hollingshead, guy who's probably rarely talked about, but a huge trade bringing him over from Dallas. Uh, one of the best outside backs in the league, if not the best left back in the league, but can play in different spots. Uh, their center back stable. They've got five starting center backs, basically. And, and it, I mean, you could go through each position like this. Ilya was a great pickup, obviously. It'll be nice to see him back in town uh, this weekend, which will be fun. Um, I know Nate will be excited about that one. <laughs> Nate's got you, Lee. <laughs> um, but, I mean, up top, they have so many options, too. I mean, Danny Musowski is never going to see the field, and I feel like he would start uh, on a lot of teams. And it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be a massive game, especially with the Sacramento game. And yeah. that's, quite frankly, that's the most important game. That That is the one that, that matters the most. And Sacramento's kind of been struggling a little bit this season uh, in league play. But they've obviously done great in Open Cup and went down to LA Galaxy last game and, and dominated that game and were the better team and deserved to beat LA Galaxy on the road uh, in LA. So it's not going to be an easy game. It's going to be sold out, packed. Uh, we're going, yep. which is exciting. Um, so we'll, we'll be a part of that atmosphere. But um, it, it's like an older type of stadium, metal bleachers. The fans, you know, kick the bleachers. So it's really loud. You got the state fair going yeah. on there. So. It, it's going to be an atmosphere, and, and it's going to be something that the team's got to be ready for because it's the biggest game of the year. And then, you know, everybody will be rooting for the Red Bulls, and then maybe we can host a final at, yeah. at CMP. So it, it's a huge week, but man, it, it's tough. It's tough with LAFC and Austin. Too. Yeah. And I mean, sporting Kansas City and Sacramento really in a similar position, struggling in their league play. And I, really, any team, I think. Uh, no matter how seriously or I guess not seriously you would take the U.S. Open Cup as we see some clubs do and then and, and do not, um, no matter how, how you approach it, if you get to the semifinal, you're taking it pretty seriously. And I, and I know for Sporting Kansas City, they had a goal of getting to this point and, and you know, eventually hoisting the cup here hopefully in, in two games. But it, it is. It's a, it's a massive game. But to have LAFC right before that, a team that even if it is 100-some degrees here in Kansas City, they've got the depth. To, to circulate guys in and out and keep legs fresh and um, competing at a high level. So it's going to be a really tough week for Sporting Kansas City, but one where they've got a chance to, to maybe prove themselves a bit and, and go into a, a game that might be a bit of a David Goliath situation against LAFC, going up against the, the top team in the Western Conference with a chance to, to maybe upset and, and, and really kind of get some of that momentum that they had started to generate um, last week ahead of the loss at RSL, maybe get some of that momentum back as well, heading into uh, an exciting U.S. Open Cup semifinals. Jacob said we will be on the ground in Sacramento bringing you our radio broadcast from there, so really looking forward to that um, and hopefully a chance to and not just advance to the final but host that here uh, at home at Children's Mercy Park. So 
that's what's coming up for Sporting Kansas City in this next week. We hope to see you out at the stadium on Saturday. Sporting Kansas City taking on LAFC. We will have all the coverage for you locally on 38 The Spot, streaming on the Sporting Kansas City app, sportingkc.com. And, yeah, we'll see you there. It's going to be a good game, going to be a hot one. So uh, make sure you hydrate. I know I'm going to have to do that, figure out. I don't know what to wear to that one. I'm like, whew. It's going to be a tough day for the uh, yeah. suits, for the suits, suits being over here. Sweating through that suit. Uh, yeah, we'll see if Peter Vermees goes with the suit uh, for this one. We've seen him switch it up quite a few times. But that's going to do it for us on the show. Thank you so much to our guests, Lisa Roman, for joining us, for Jacob Peterson. I'm Allie Trost-Martin. We'll see you next time here on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra.